As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hanging, being part of our radio family. I'm your host, AD. Tweet me, at ADSXE. Join in the conversation. Tweet my producer, Jonathan Howell in Los Angeles, at Fet is where you can find him on the interwebs. Quick note for Jonathan Howell in Los Angeles. I'm getting like this really crazy-ass echo. Uh, this is how you can tell it is live, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I hear myself like three times every single time I saw a talk, like when you're on one of those really bad cell phone calls. Yeah. Can you make the echo go away? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, still echoing. Hmm. It's like the voices in my head have uh, gotten a second dimension. I'm just going to take my headphones out and uh, fly blind until we manage to fix this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, AD. Joining in the conversation by tweeting me at ADSXE is where you can find me on the interwebs. Tweet my producer, Jonathan Howell, at BlueistTheFet. That's where you can find him on the interwebs. What are you listening to? Uh, bear in mind that you are listening to uh, the great talk radio experiment <laughs> put on by the Grand Dragons of Talk. Yep, it's true. They enlisted me, a former punk rock kid in a band who uh, had no other applicable skills when that band was over, to start doing talk radio. See, I had no other applicable skills. I wound up in rock radio. I did the rock radio thing for a while, and uh, they were like, hey, um, how do you feel about doing talk? And I was like, I don't know. What do you have in mind? They're like, what if we turn you into the poster child for talk radio superstars for the next generation? I was like, that sounds like it comes with a decent paycheck. And they're like, well, no, no, not really at all. But we will put you on the extreme talk station. You'll have your own show. You get to do whatever the hell you want to do with it. And uh, from here on in, you're essentially doing wind sprints and push-ups, the radio equivalent of that in the radio bullpen, getting ready for the death of Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Yep, and his audience, because, you know, they're getting older. Whole Rush likes his bacon and Oxycontin, so really, it's only a short matter of time until I am installed as the, <clears throat> to quote them, <laughs> poster child for the next generation of talk radio superstar. And I, I, I make the talk radio world more awesome by providing a more balanced, less partisan view on the world that uh, brings the left and the right together over universal truths like boobs are great and fart jokes are hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, today in the show, we discuss the Swiss cheese masturbator and how he's been brought to justice. Strong gun control argument 
A strong gun control argument from an anti-gun politician, but not in the way that you would think. Plus, you might recall that a month or two back, we talked about the New Mexican anal probe, a guy who was probed, I think, seven or eight times by police in New Mexico when they uh, unsuccessfully uh, tried to find drugs on him. Uh, We'll let you know how that all played out after he launched his absolutely humongous lawsuit. Right now, though, I'd like to, I don't know, take a moment to, well, this is what happened to me earlier today. I was... uh, I was walking down the hall, and there is like a talk radio dude that works down the hall, a guy called Michael Berry. He, uh, he, he does a, a show that is very good, but it caters to sort of like the, uh, <laughs> it caters to the, the, the uh, cross-burning types in, uh, in the world. It uh, caters to the cross-burning types in the world, the, the non-opposable thumb-having AR-15 hoarding cross-burners, of which there are plenty. So Michael does great. And uh, he just finished up his show, and I walked into his studio to be like, yo, dude, have a good weekend. I noticed he was uh, visibly upset, weeping. And um, I was like, oh, sorry, man, I didn't mean to intrude. And he was like, no, no, it's okay. I was like, you all right? Everything, everything all right? He's like, you know... Um, a friend of mine buried a 16-year-old daughter the other day. And uh, we talked about that on the show. And it was kind of a heavy one. And I was like, yeah, certainly sounds like it was. And he was like, yeah, she passed away of cancer. And we got talking a little bit about, you don't really know when your card is being punched. And I don't know about you, but I always find it's interesting to read some end-of-life stuff every once in a while. Or listen to some end-of-life stuff every once in a while. Because you really don't know when your card's going to be punched. Warren Zevon, I don't know if you're familiar with his work or a big fan of his work, but Warren Zevon found out that he had terminal cancer back in 2002, I think it was. And he made an amazing album called The Wind. If you haven't heard it, please listen to it, whether you're a Warren Zevon fan or not. It was his last album, He knew he was not long for this world, and he made his last record, his lasting legacy to leave his friends, family, and loved ones with. In that, he tried to say everything that he felt he should have said to people throughout the entirety of his life, but never got around to. And it is a powerful, powerful listen. And, man, if you haven't heard it, A, it's beautiful. B, to hear the words of a dying man expressing how he would have done things or could have done things if he had it to do all over again is an amazing reminder that our time here is limited and there's so much small stuff that you could be broken up about. There's so much small stuff that you could let make you angry. There's little petty arguments that you could have with your family or your loved ones. But when you Check out some end-of-life stuff, like specifically this Warren Zevon album, The Wind. It becomes very clear how little that stuff matters. And it's easy to get caught up in life and be like, Oh, they got the wrong flavor sauce on my super taco. This is the end. I'm going to go Michael Douglas falling down. But you know what? It's not the end. Which is why I would recommend that whenever you can, go over something like that. Start with Warren Zevon's The Wind. Listen to it at least once a month. And go make the most of the day we have because we're not promised another.
Show. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, AD. Joining the conversation by tweeting me at ADSXE. You can tweet my producer, Jonathan Howell, in Los Angeles as he super produces this slab of radio awesome that you're listening to at Bluis the Fet as I broadcast from the third coast of Houston, Texas. Today, uh, you and I discuss a Swiss cheese masturbator and how he's been brought to justice. This is a thing in case you hadn't heard about it. We'll run down exactly what happened shortly. Plus, a strong gun control argument from an anti gun politician but not in the way that you would think. There's an amazing and uh, uh, drunken twist to this story. Uh, what the hell am I talking about? Like I said, we'll get to it shortly. Plus the follow-up story on the new Mexican anal probe. Uh, the man who was relentlessly probed over and over again by the uh, New Mexico police in his most intimate of below-the-belt areas in an unsuccessful search for drugs which he didn't have on him. Uh, we'll get to all that shortly after the news. Our take on the events of the day. My witness news in absolutely no way, shape, or form fair and certainly not balanced. Jonathan Howell, how are you today? All right. There was a smoke <laughs> advisory in Los Angeles yesterday, but actually not from wildfires. Right. From Oprah's ears after she found out that she was snubbed by the Oscars. <laughs> Uh, that was awesome. Oprah was snubbed for the butler. Well, at least she has that mega successful, well-respected network to fall back on. Oh, oh wait. No, that's in the toilet, too. Too bad, so sad. I'm sorry, Oprah. Uh, here's the thing. Oprah snubbed at the Oscars. Tom Hanks snubbed at the Oscars for that Walt Disney flick he did. Know who wasn't snubbed at the Oscars? Johnny Knoxville. Bad Grandpa. The next installment of the Jackass movies. Oscar nominated. Okay, it was for Best Hair and Makeup, but it's still funny to think that Johnny Knoxville's movie got an Oscar nomination, whilst Oprah and Tom Hanks did not. Uh, what else is happening in entertainment news? Gravity. Gravity scored 10 nominations. I cannot hear producer Jonathan Howell. I do not know what is happening. Hmm, yes. Uh, I'm going to uh, proceed as though I know what's going on in the world and uh, just roll through the news myself, seeing as we have gremlins in the machine today. Uh, American Hustle and Oscar News received 10 Oscar nominations, up to and including Best Picture. The movie, in case you did not know, is about a group of con artists who trick film critics into thinking it's a good movie. It is not a good movie. Gravity, you know, like uh, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock go to space. That got 10, count them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 Oscar nominations. Yeah, that's Gravity the movie. Not what Bruce Jenner spends all his time in surgery trying to fight. Yeah, uh, Sandra Bullock actually got the, I think, Best Actress nomination for Gravity. All I know is that if you can win an Oscar for being a freaking space cadet, this year's Lifetime Achievement Award should go to Gary Busey. <laughs> also in entertainment news, that completely smoking hot senior citizen piece of ass that is Betty White turned 92 today. Betty's going to be celebrating quietly at home with her friends and family. <laughs> Kidding. She's hosting an orgy. I'm not entirely sure what's going on in the studio, but the echo is back. 
<laughs> so I'm just going to remove the headphones again. Uh, in Celebrity Gang News, Kendall and Kylie Jenner recently said that their parents' breakup was difficult. Uh, they started to elaborate on the pain that they've been feeling, but someone showed up with the camera, so they excused themselves to put on bikinis and take selfies. I don't know if you uh, watch a whole lot of HBO. I enjoy some of their programming, uh, particularly Curb Your Enthusiasm. But uh, HBO is premiering a new show called Looking, a new show that's being called, quote-unquote, The Gay Sex in the City. Here's the thing. There already is a gay sex in the city. It's called Sex in the City. (sighs) Betty, Betty White, 92 years old. One of my proudest radio moments was, well, goes back a couple years. Do you, uh, did you ever come across that website? Uh, did you ever come across that website, A Hug from Taylor Swift? Like, two high school boys were such big fans of Taylor Swift, they made a website called A Hug from Taylor Swift and uh, figured if they could get a certain number of hits to A uh, Hug from Taylor Swift, they would receive A Hug from Taylor Swift. As it turned out, they did. The moment I found this out, I immediately created a website called a reach around from bettywhite.com <laughs> uh, it made national news it was pretty cool the 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 senior citizen reach around from that smoking hot uh, septi- octogenary i don't know what do you call someone who's 9 decades old but the uh, <laughs> well at the time she was an octogenarian so the uh, the reach around from that smoking hot octogenarian piece of hollywood ass never never happened although i figured there would probably be icy hot on her hand at the time so it would be good times if it did that being said um, yeah a reach around from bettywhite.com if you heard about that on other radio programs yeah that was me. I-, I made the website as a goof, as a radio bit for my own show, and all of a sudden I'm getting calls from Rochester, like being like, Hi, this is Brother Wheeze from WCMF. Are you the man responsible for a reach around from BettyWhite.com? I was like, Well, yes, yes, I am. One of the proudest moments of my life. Uh, the same could not be said for my mom and dad. Latinos are about to become the single largest ethnic group in California. So, uh, you know, more tough news for officials trying to curb immigration. And more awesome news for shops that sell Jesus candles, extra long khaki shorts, and shirts that are meant to be worn in the swimming pool. (laughs) It's true, though. Experts say white people will officially become a minority in California as soon as this March. When asked for their thoughts on the radically shifting paradigm of demographics in their state, everyone in California responded, Okay. Yeah, I see what I did there. Um, an Iranian man has spent the last 60 years... Do you see this? An Iranian man has spent the last 60 years not bathing, refusing to bathe, and smoking animal feces in a pipe. Mm-hmm. All whilst setting the record for the cleanest cab driver in New York history. China is building a replica of the Titanic, reportedly with funds acquired from the sinking ship that now passes for the American economy. And a new study shows that consuming 2.5 alcoholic drinks per day can accelerate memory loss, which would explain a couple things. (laughs) Namely, why so many guys at bars tend to forget that they're married. In Florida, an unidentified white male stole uh, stole a $300 Jenna Jameson sex doll from a Vero Beach sex shop. Mm -hmm. $300 Jenna Jameson sex doll. The doll's just like Jenna, except made with less plastic. Kind of stupid, though, because, like, I'm pretty sure at this stage in her career, for $300, he probably probably could have had the real Jenna Jameson for the night. (laughs) Probably two nights. Probably two nights, and she would have made him a sandwich. Uh, Police in Philadelphia captured the Swiss cheese masturbator. We'll get into this story later. But for now, I'll leave you with these following thoughts. 
I wonder if he said cheese when they took the mugshot. And if they caught him, I guess you have to say, that's good in news. Yeah, see what I did there? Yeah, that's why the show is listened to by literally tens of people every single night. So, <laughs> a New Mexico man subjected to anal probing did pretty well. You might recall this story, but okay, a city and county in southern New Mexico, if you missed it when we talked about it a month or so ago, have settled a lawsuit filed by a man taken to two hospitals and subjected to, I think it was seven or eight anal probes over suspicion of hiding drugs. This is according to the dude's lawyer. The guy's called David Eckert. He's uh, in Hidalgo County and the city of Deming. I think they went after them for, I think it was something like seven or eight million dollars. Which is crazy, but not as crazy as the treatment that he received. Basically, a a drug-sniffing dog that hadn't been... I guess you have to test drug-sniffing dogs uh, perpetually throughout their career to make sure the super sniffer is still working and that they should still be doing police drug-sniffing work. And uh, they were essentially riding around with an unlicensed drug-sniffing dog that had not only not been tested, but who had failed his last drug-sniffing test. So they were basically working with a retired, ineffective police dog who should have been uh, adopted out to some awesome home after his awesome service. Uh, but the old sniffer not really uh, doing what it should, and uh, it detected drugs on this David Eckert guy. So they illegally took him to uh, they illegally took him to get multiple anal probes. He had all sorts of suppositories. He was made to void his bowels in front of police officers and hospital staff and uh, justifiably wound up suing Hidalgo County and the city of Deming. Uh, They settled their lawsuit for a total of $1.6 million. The lawsuit filed against uh, police and sheriff's official in Deming and Hidalgo County, which is right by Mexico, uh, basically says cops looked for a search warrant for Eckert, but because they thought he appeared to be clenching his buttocks when he got out of his car. Yeah. <laughs> the lawsuit also alleged that a host of violations of Eckert's rights had been perpetrated, up to including his being denied the right to make a phone call from the police station and the fact that the search warrant that was filed to search his body was valid only in Luna County. But when people were like, uh, yeah, we're not just going to like probe this guy's butt. That's not OK. They took him to a dis- different hospital outside Luna County. So uh, <laughs> so from there on in, it was a completely illegal, unwarranted drug search of this man's most intimate secondary orifice south of the equator. And like I said, no drugs were found. Is he a victim? Yeah, absolutely. Real victims here, probably the taxpayers of New Mexico, who now have had to fork over $1.6 million because cops couldn't be bothered to do their homework. They were just too excited to get all Roto-Rooter up in this dude's hindquarters. And here's the thing. After old David Eckert came forward, um, numerous other lawsuits were filed because uh, apparently like, there's some ass-happy cops in New Mexico. Yeah, as I said last time we did this story, like, horrible for David Eckerts, and he deserves every penny of that $1.6 million for being rectally violated over and over again by a bunch of cops, but, like, (laughs) uh, if you're into that kind of thing, 
If you're into that kind of thing, I think it would be prudent of you, and I'm sure there's been incidences of this already, like uh, people going to New Mexico, like ripping the license plates and the tags and all the registration information off of their car and doing like 90 and a 50 and being like, oh, excuse me, officers, what could it be? Could it be the fact that uh, the interior of my car smells like a Cypress Hill concert? Oh, I guess I better unbuckle now and let you let the law take its course. Oh, heavens, some Murgatroyd, whatever shall I... Oh, I can lube it up for you. Do. <clears throat> so, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, uh, maybe a new Mexican vacation is in your not-too-distant future. So, we've been talking a little bit about uh, gun control over the last couple of days. And well, I came across some interesting stories. See this? A mom found an AR-15 in back of a rental car left by the wife of an NFL player. New York mom and daughter on vacation in Florida. This is a scenario. Found a bag with an AR-15 in it in a rental car that they picked up. Uh, they found out that the bag with the AR-15 was left by the wife of NFL quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Uh, she said the mom, this Judith Fleissig chick, went on the record saying that she and her daughter went to Easy Rent-A-Cars, Nissan, uh, went to Easy Rent-A-Car, uh, got this Nissan Rogue for a couple of days, noticed a bag in the back, and immediately called the rental company and was advised to take uh, the firearm to the nearest police station. The AR-15 was found to be registered to uh, Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill, accidentally left in the SUV by his wife. The sheriff's office said, though dangerous, if it would have landed in the wrong hands, it's not criminal. They simply forgot it. Here's the thing, though. If you get an AR-15, or if you're the type of person that's allowed to carry an AR-15 around, if you want to be an AR-15 owner, then there should be some way of figuring out whether or not you are responsible enough to be the owner of this AR-15. And one thing that would pass for, while not illegal, wildly irresponsible, is leading is leaving a firearm in the trunk of a rental car. It's not too bright. And I've come to the conclusion that people who are not too bright probably shouldn't be allowed to have those kinds of guns. And we'll get into this more, but I am absolutely of the opinion that it is a fundamental American right to be able to uh, carry a gun, have a gun, to protect yourself, whether it's at home or whether it's out and about. But we need to be able to have an open and honest conversation, a non-knee-jerk reaction conversation about what is going to make this safer. Because you shouldn't be leaving AR-15s in a trunk. No, nothing criminal happened. No, it wasn't discovered by a criminal. But what if it had been? Imagine the amount of blood that could be on someone's hands who absentmindedly forgot to take their AR-15 with them when they went out. Think on that. What do I do? Huh. What do I do? Mm. I, uh... 
Thank you so much for hanging and being part of my radio family. I am your host, AD. Tweet me. Join the conversation at ADSXE is where you can find me on Twitter. Also, holler at my producer, Jonathan Howell, at Bluest the Fet is where he is located on the interwebs. If you are just joining us, we're having a bit of a chat. Actually, we're kind of having a chat all week long about gun control. You may or may not have seen it, but... Uh, the wife of NFL quarterback Ryan Tannehill inadvertently left a bag with an AR-15 registered to him, he owned it legally, in the back of an SUV that she rented. It was discovered by, I think, a mom and her kid, and they called the cops, and the cops were like, well, come and turn it in, it's registered, it's fine. And they said, well, it's not criminal. No, it's not. It is wildly irresponsible. And they said it could have been dangerous if it landed in the wrong hands. As far as I can tell, Ryan and his wife aren't getting slapped on the wrist for this. And I don't know if the answer is to slap people on the wrist. I don't know if the answer in this particular situation is to be more stringent. (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, uh, if you're Mr. Forgetful, you don't get to have an IAR-15. I don't know if we have to make it harder for people to obtain weapons. But that's not okay. Like, that could have been a serious problem. Criminals get their guns from somewhere. And you can't just leave them lying around willy-nilly. And maybe there should be penalties for doing that. (laughs) If you're a forgetful Freddy with your firearm, then you're paying a fine. See? I came up with a slogan right there. Forgetful Freddy. Forgetful Freddy forgets his firearm and gets a fine. I, I think that's a, a reasonable expectation. It's an interesting one, though, because the gun control debate. Oh, God, that's a tough one. There's so many people who, maybe quite rightly so, associate their ability to own a gun with being American. And they treat the Second Amendment like it is gospel. Now, while the Constitution and the amendments are extraordinarily important, and while I do believe that you should have the right to own a firearm, I don't think we're doing enough. We have to do more. And I think part of the problem is there's so many people that, well, it's a deep issue, and it's a serious issue. Guns take away lives. Guns, guns take away lives. Or guns save lives. There is an extraordinarily compelling argument for both of these situations. Now, obviously, you could argue that America, or you could argue that a country like England, where there are no guns, they have, oh, I don't know, like 25, 30 handgun-related murders a year not even counting accidental deaths, and here we have tens of thousands. However, whilst that is a logical argument, it does not take into account that we're not English. That makes no sense. We're not English. We're American. Guns are part of what gave us our identity. Guns are what made us our own country free from the English. Those who say, I want to live in a gun-free country, 
<sighs> Move. Because it's not going to happen here. I don't want it to be a gun-free country, I don't think, because I don't have a gun now, but somewhere down the road I might. I don't have a gun now, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, because I live in a very secure building. I live in a high-rise. There's no way you're getting into where I live if you don't live there. There's too much security. There's too many uh, loops to jump through. You can't even get up to my floor if you don't live on it. It's not an easy thing. I feel safe. However, you know, I live in Texas. If I uh, move back into a house where uh, you have sort of like French doors out to the patio from the master and someone can easily enter your home in your bedroom through those, just because that seems to, and I don't want to have bars on my windows because, you know, know, who wants to have bars on their windows? I might decide to own a handgun. That's a conversation I have to have myself, have with myself when I find myself in that situation. But we do need to do more. You know what's weird? You know, it's so weird because it happens over and over again. When Mr. Bawatabha, I am the bull god, the stone cold pimp that is Kid Rock, becomes the voice of sensible reason in America, we have entered into a very interesting time in politics. And you know what? He does it over and over again. During the election, he made that video with Sean Penn, who is staunchly left wing. And uh, he was actually actively endorsing Romney at the time. And they made a video together about how it was possible to disagree with each other and vote for different candidates in a presidential election without thinking that the other is an evil a-hole that hates America. It's about coming together and having a reasonable conversation, not a knee-jerk reaction conversation, and a conversation that is held by people, not held by people that are being used as puppets by the NRA or some anti-gun lobby. Normal, everyday people need to have these discussions. Kid Rock had the same level of sensible discourse when it came to gun control. I saw him in an interview recently, and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm for guns. I've got hundreds of guns. I never go into Detroit without my gun, loaded by my side, ready to go, would not hesitate to use it if I had to. And someone asked him, I was like, well, what do you think? You know, we obviously have a problem in this country. Do you have a solution? And he was like, we do have a problem. And uh, he was like, I do have one idea. It might be a little bit unfleshed out. But he said, everybody has a friend or a family member that owns a gun where your friends or family think, that guy should not have a gun. He just no. For whatever reason, he shouldn't have a gun. Maybe he's incredibly irresponsible with it. Maybe he leaves it in the back of rental SUVs. Uh, maybe he accidentally shot his thumb off when he was drunk. Maybe he accidentally shot your thumb off when he was drunk. But old Kid Rock said there should be a system by which you can flag people that you know and have authorities investigate it further. And he thought about it for a second. He was like, you know, I guess really what we're talking about is more thorough background checks more investigation into the level of responsibility that these people have and whether or not they'd be responsible gun owners. Kid Rock's not running for political office anytime soon, but I'd be a voting fool if he was. There's an anti-gun Mayor Bloomberg ally who's going to prison for a gun-related crime. It's an amazing and compelling story.
Hey, is that really necessary? Hey, is that really necessary? <laughs> I don't think so. One, two, three, and she chaps to me With a blinged out child Fake can silicone for a mile But hey, I ain't impressed with this She makes the dirty dot com Or maybe once or twice a guest list Got no talent, but she wants to be on TV She's a model and an actress Just some things you ain't ever seen Look over there Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the show Thank you so much for hanging Being part of my radio family I am your host, AD Appreciate you joining me Joining the conversation Tweet me at ADSXE Tweet my producer, Jonathan Howell in Los Angeles As I broadcast from the third coast of Houston in Texas, Jonathan Howell can be find, found on the interwebs at Bluest the Fed on Twitter. If you're just joining us, we're talking about gun control and uh, about about NFL quarterback Ryan Tannehill, whose wife left his AR-15 in a rental car. And uh, cops are like, ooh, that could have been dangerous if it had landed in the wrong hands. But fortunately, uh, it, it didn't. It was uh, discovered by some responsible people. And uh, therefore, it's not criminal. Ooh, yeah, no. See, it might not be criminal. But there's got to be some sort of penalty or fine or further investigation warranted into whether or not you should own a firearm if you're just going to leave them lying around willy freaking nilly. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, yeah, it's a very big deal. It is a very big deal. And people are like, oh, it didn't get into the hands of a criminal. Well, what if it got into the hands of a child? If I was like loading my parents' bags into a rental car when I was 10 years old and I discovered an AR-15 rifle, I'd be like, this is so cool. I've got a rifle. Badass. I wonder how this thing works. I better not show it to mom and dad because then they're going to take it away from me. I'll just, uh, yeah, take this on home with me. I would have done it without even thinking about it. Are you kidding me? If I found like a a gun that looked like uh, an army machine gun type of situation when I was a 10-year-old in the back of a car, I'd be like, I just got a gun. Now, how am I going to hide it from my parents? You can't just like have that be like, oh, you you absent-minded silly fellow or fellowette who left it there. Gosh, golly, and gee whiz. (laughs) Keep better track of this thing. Now we give it back to you. No, it doesn't work like that. Well, no, actually, no, I, I tell a lie. That's exactly how it works. And it shouldn't. The ex mayor of Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania, has been sentenced to up to 20 months in prison for discharging his firearm to intimidate a man that he had invited to his home for a drink. Now, this dude, James uh, Shaliro, outspoken gun control advocate, and was a member of former New York City Mayor uh, Michael Bloomberg's Mayors Against Illegal Guns campaign. See, he had a police cruiser bring his former neighbor, a 20-year-old man who he was apparently attracted to. Uh, This is according to the folks over at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, He had a police cruiser bring his former neighbor, who he was apparently attracted to, over, and he reportedly made the man drink wine and refused to let him leave for more than three hours. And during this alcohol-fueled episode. This is one of those things where you're like, uh, at the end of the story, they go, uh, alcohol was involved. <laughs> you don't suppose, do you? During this alcohol-fueled episode, he allegedly threatened to kill himself before firing his gun into a stack of papers. Uh, the man was eventually able to leave the home, and he called 911, as you do when uh, someone's sort of like drinking heavily and shooting guns. 
and threatening to kill themselves. Uh, the mayor faces 20 months in prison, up to 20 months in prison, as well as five years of probation, 50 hours of community service, and is required to pay $1,300 in fines and court fees. Even though his situation is serious, Shaliro actually credits his victim, identified as uh, Nicholas Dorsum, with saving his life. He said he was, quote, so drunk and so upset that he would have committed suicide if his former neighbor hadn't mentioned his daughter, who was sleeping upstairs. And this is a guy that was part of uh, Mayor Bloomberg's Mayors Against Illegal Guns. Yeah, you know why? He was like, yeah, oh, yeah, there's people out there who have guns that definitely shouldn't have guns that are emotional and drink and like to shoot their guns off as a show of their emotional drunken displays. Uh, And those people shouldn't have guns. I know because I'm one of them. (laughs) It's like, come on. It wasn't the argument he was making for gun control, but it's a pretty compelling argument when you say, and like I said, I'm not anti-gun. I think the idea of disarming America, preposterous, never going to happen. Don't like guns in the country that you live in. Leave, move to a different country. There's plenty where they don't have them. But America is founded on guns. All you got to do, I live in Texas. I know this. I don't own a gun, but lots of my friends do. And all I have to do is go into a bar uh, with a bunch of my friends and say something like permit to carry or AR-15 or Glock 9mm. And uh, a lot of my my Texan male friends will be like, oh, I've got to excuse myself, pitching a wildly inappropriate, warm and sticky tent ever since you started talking about guns. Oh, AR-15. Yeah, I'll be right back. <laughs> you're just not going to diffuse that level of passion for the firearm in America. So it's time to start meeting in the middle. Time to stop being like, child killer, freedom hater. Anti-American scumbag. Hey, I was going to say that to you. Well, I just said it to you first. Well, we both feel that. No. Got to be able to meet in the middle. You got to be, and I can't believe I find myself saying this over and over again, you got to be as sensible as Kid Rock (laughs) and have those conversations about what a potential solution could be. Speaking of potential solutions, <laughs> there's a DEA official who's all hacked off about legal weed. This guy is the chief of operations at the Drug Enforcement Administration, and he is going against legalization of marijuana and going against it hard. Did you see this? This past Wednesday, just gone by, he said that the uh, marijuana experiment that we're engaged in is highly dangerous. He said, quote, I have to say this, going down the path to legalization in this country is reckless and irresponsible. This guy's name is James Al Capra, and he said this during a Senate hearing. I'm talking about the long-term impact of legalization in the United States. It scares us. If you haven't been following this sort of thing, Colorado and Washington State voted in 2012 to legalize recreational use of marijuana. U.S. Department of Justice said it would not target individuals in marijuana dispensaries that were in compliance with state laws. And, uh, This Capra dude, DEA official, said legalization had failed every place it had been tried. Oh, really? Well, okay. Let's examine the situation. There's there's Amsterdam. They've decriminalized a bunch of drugs and marijuana is recreationally legal there. And 
Well, it, it's not exactly a gun of iniquity and mur- uh, a uh, <laughs> a den of iniquity and gun murder over there. But more specifically, it's been 10 years since Portugal became the first European nation to decriminalize possession of all drugs, everything from marijuana to heroin within its borders. There were a lot of people at the time who worried that would lead to drug tourism while simultaneously worsening the country's high rate of hard drug use. However... Not so much 10 years in to decriminalizing everything from marijuana to heroin in Portugal. Different story entirely told by a recent study by, I think, the folks over at the Cato Institute. Not only did crime drop dramatically in Portugal, but so did heavy drug use. So did the number of reported HIV cases. Now, I don't know about legalizing heroin. That being said, you can get Oxycontin with a prescription and you take enough of that, from what I understand, more or less the same thing. I don't know about legalizing or or decriminalizing everything from marijuana to heroin, but I do know this. I don't care if drugs are legalized or not from a personal standpoint. I'm straight edge. This is old school punk rock things, which means that I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs, and I don't believe in casual sex, and I don't do a lot of things that a lot of people consider to be a lot of fun. But you know what? I decided a long time ago, I got a lot of things I want to accomplish in this lifetime and a limited number of hours on this earth, and I don't need anything slowing me down, and all those things seem like they would slow me down, so I'm just going to take part in them. But when it comes to the legalization of marijuana, come on, are we still really having this conversation? I might potentially use marijuana medicinally. I would never use it recreationally. I don't smoke it. I don't have any interest in smoking it. But if I wound up in some sort of situation where I needed some kind of pain relief or something like that, and my options were Oxycontin or a marijuana cookie, I'd be using the cookie way before I got myself into some sort of addictive narcotic situation. Thank you very much. So you kind of got to wonder at this stage in the game if the data is coming back where like, hey, you know how much money they made in Colorado? Did you realize that marijuana is the number one cash crop in the state of California, that this is giving back to the farmers of America, the backbone of America, the money that can be made off of taxing it, the number of people not in jail over having a a roach clip in their pocket with marijuana residue in it anymore, like the amount of crime it cuts down on when there's no criminal business to be done with marijuana? Yeah. All signs point to yes on this one. That's interesting. I would imagine, perhaps, this DEA official is just worried that he's going to be out of a job pretty soon. Sounds like he probably should be. Speaking of jobs... (laughs) According to this new survey, people do some absolutely ridiculous stuff in job interviews. Here are some of the strangest ways people have ruined their chances, something this DEA official that eventually is going to be out of a job might want to bear in mind. And I want you to think about your job interviews and whether or not you've blown any of them. But a woman explained that she probably didn't get a good interview because she'd taken too much Valium earlier in the day. (laughs) Uh, An applicant interrupted the interviewer to answer a phone call about another interview with a different company. (laughs) One guy apparently showed up in a sweatsuit so he could go jogging afterwards. This is a story from uh, Reddit. 
An applicant asked for a hug during the interview. Weirdly enough, I had a job interview once and I was hugged by um, not the person interviewing me, but one of my potential coworkers. I did not get the job. I wonder if they were Xing me out of the application process by hugging me. I don't know. Apparently, she was the one that wanted to hire me. And you know what? I understand from what I understand. They didn't hire anybody. They wound up realizing, hey, this is corporate America. Uh, This position we're hiring for, we seem to be functioning without it, so uh, we just won't hire anyone. So I don't think the hug blew my interview chances. Uh, An applicant brought his personal photo albums to show off during the interview. Uh, Another job candidate kept referring to himself as his own personal hero. A guy asked for the name and phone number for the female receptionist. I've wanted to do that in the past. I had the good sense not to. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, please let me get the job here. This woman's amazing. But, uh, yeah, I had the good sense not to not to be like, hey, what are you doing after my interview? Oh, still working here because you have a job here and I don't? Okay, I'll move along. Oh, a woman showed up to her interview by crashing her car in the building. I have a friend. I have a friend. This is absolutely true. Who worked for that motivational speaker guy, Anthony Robbins. And what it was his job to do was to go into markets and try and sell tickets to Anthony Robbins events by doing condensed versions of Anthony Robbins speeches. And he actually crashed his car into a lamppost because he wasn't paying attention during one of his sales pitches when he was about to go in and gave his little presentation pitch with blood rolling down his face, thinking it might help him out. It did not help him out. Have yourself an awesome weekend. We'll do it all over again on Tuesday. Happy elongated Martin Luther King weekend. Have a great one. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.